Well, good morning, New Hope. Glad that you're here this morning. Those who made it out in person, extra credit this morning in heaven, I'm sure. And those who are online, uh, welcome this morning as we finish off our series called Joyful, F-U-L-L. We've been in this baby for six weeks. And so hopefully over and over again, you have been hearing from the Apostle Paul as he's writing the church in Philippi from chains in prison in Rome, why it is that regardless of his circumstances, he can still be full of joy. And last week we talked about ultimately we can be full of joy because it comes from being in the Lord. By filling our lives up with Jesus, it pushes out the anxiety, the challenges, the trials within life and provides us perspective and strength to walk through them and the ability to grow even in the difficulties. And last week we talked about the whole idea of staying in the Lord by praising him as we just did, by bringing prayer to him no matter what's going on in our life, by petitioning others, asking others to pray on our behalf, And we also know as well, by being thankful, we can walk through life circumstances and remain joyful. But Paul concludes his letter this morning to the church in Philippi by, I believe, talking about how it is we can be joyful as well. And it determines and it depends on how we live on a daily basis. And so I want to talk about the whole idea of being joyful because of our character. Because of how we live in our character, it brings us joy. And so this morning, I have my pockets full. I don't know if you can tell there, but I have my pockets full of rocks. And I have other rocks up here. And the reason I filled my pockets is because I believe that we fill our pockets up with two emotions that kill our joy. I believe we fill our pockets up with two emotions that kill our joy. And so in my left pocket, I have the rocks of guilt. And in my right pocket, I have all kinds of rocks of shame. Guilt and shame are one of the two strongest emotions that we deal with in life. And they are different. You see, guilt is produced on the left side by that which we do wrong that challenges our conscience. Our conscience is like, ding, 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 ding. Hey, you're stepping over the line there. And in stepping over the line in in our conscience, bringing it up of what we are doing wrong, we have this emotion of guilt. Where it turns to shame is when other people find out about it. 
So I'm going down the road. I know that I am driving 15 over the speed limit. And I've done it. I'm, I'm over it. And I know I'm over it. And there's a sense of guilt that I'm like, okay, I know, I know, I know. Right? But I keep doing, doing, doing. But then I get pilled over. And that's where the shame comes in. Man, I'm busted. Somebody else knows about my wrong. And we have shame because we're corrected. And so here's our challenge. Many people today are walking around with pockets full of guilt and shame. And it's challenging them. It's zapping their joy. And instead of potentially taking care of it, we add to it. And up here, I have more rocks. And if you look at these rocks, they're different size rocks. And so some of our actions that are outside of the boundaries of our conscience, some of them are ah, little rocks, but some of them are big rocks. I didn't, I mean, I couldn't fit a couple of little boulders in here, whatever, and that, you know, part of it was, you know what, you start getting full up, the pants are dragging. You know, I mean, the pants are dragging. But that's what we do. We, we continue to, to fill up our life with guilt over here, and then we continue to add rocks of shame over here, different size ones, maybe small ones, some are bigger, right, depending on what's going on in our life, and it just kills our joy. You know, I find it interesting all the way back to Genesis, when Adam and Eve are created, everything's perfect, and there's this interesting line in Genesis 2.25 where God says this, they were both naked and they felt no shame, like zero. And the reason that they felt no shame, the reason that their right pocket of shame was empty, well, obviously they were naked, so I guess they didn't have a pocket, but no, <laughs> work with me here. But uh, they had no shame is because the left pocket, they had no guilt. Why? Because everything was perfect. But what happens, and what do we see in Genesis 3? We see that Adam and Eve sin. They do what is wrong. They recognize it's wrong because God had told them what is right and the boundaries they should live in. They know they've stepped over those boundaries. And now, for the first time in their life, they've experienced guilt. And when they hear God's voice, they hide. Why? Because now they've experienced shame. They were busted. And we've dealt with it ever since. And so I believe that this is why Paul, as he is concluding his letter to the Philippians, he uses the word finally as sort of like, hey, finally I want you to to pay attention to this. You know, I've been talking about joy throughout this whole letter, how to maintain it, how to live within life circumstances and still be full of it. But then he goes on and he talks about finally. And he talks about 
I believe the character of Christ in us, and in that character, by maintaining it, we maintain joy. Why? Because we don't have to deal with guilt and pockets of shame, right? And so Paul writes in Philippians 4, 8, and 9, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, Whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. And so Paul says, hey, finally, hey, I want you to get this. This is important. I want you to pay attention to your thinking. I want you to pay attention to what are you putting in your lives. And I want you to think on what is true, what is noble, which is like high quality character, what is right, that's pretty clear, what is pure, like perfect, holy, what is lovely, admirable, excellent, praiseworthy. Think on those things. Pay attention to those things. And that's part of our challenge today when it comes to guilt and shame. Because we are putting ourselves before all kinds of movies, all kinds of music, all kinds of sitcoms, all kinds of talk radio, all kinds of books all kinds of, you name it, that the world offers us. And it challenges our thinking. And when our thinking is challenged, then our behavior is challenged, right? And so Paul is saying, listen, if your thinking is right, then your behavior will be right And then you will not have to deal with guilt and shame because you will not be stepping over the boundaries of which God has called us to live. And you will maintain joy because you won't be messing with all the emotions that go with guilt and shame. All the emotions that go with trying to justify your decision so that you can try to make yourself feel better or wrestling with pride and humility and confessing it and making it right. And so Paul is saying, listen, just pay attention to what you're putting in you. Is it true? Is it noble? Is it right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, or praiseworthy? And so my question to you this morning is, are you looking at the content that you're putting into your life? Because what I say over and over again is what we put ourselves before we become. What we put ourselves before, we become. And Paul is saying, if you want to maintain joy here in life, put yourself 
before that which is noble and true, excellent and praiseworthy. Why? Because in your thinking will come your behavior and your behavior and your thinking determines, I think, your joy. Because who doesn't love to be able to put their head on the pillow at night and have peace? Why? Because there's no guilt in this pocket and there's no guilt or shame in this pocket. Because Paul goes on and he says this. Think about such things, right? Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, Put it into practice, he says. Put it into practice. And so this is a pretty bold statement by Paul. You know, he's saying, hey, whatever you learned, received, heard, seen in me, put it into practice. So Paul, in some sense, is saying, hey, I have lived this way. And in living this way, I'm writing from chains in prison in Rome here. I don't know whether I'm going to live or die. But in living this way, even in chains, I have joy. And it comes because what I am focused on. I am focused on what is right and pure and praiseworthy and excellent. And so how you have seen me live, I want you to live. And he gives this list And he's calling them to follow him in how he lives in his thinking and his behavior. Because at the end of this, he gives us the result. He goes on then in verse 9 and he says, Because of this, the God of peace will be with you. So he says, hey, listen. Think about what is true and noble, right, pure, admirable, excellent, praiseworthy. Put into practice whatever you've learned from me, received, heard, or seen. And here's the result. And the God of peace will be with you. You will have peace. One of the synonyms for peace is joy. You will have joy. In your peace, you will have joy. Why will you have peace? Because in your right thinking, you will have right behavior. And when you have right thinking and behavior, you don't have to deal with the left pocket of guilt and you don't have to deal with the right pocket of shame. And the result of that is you'll have peace. You will have peace in your life. And so Paul is is saying, hey, finally, brothers and sisters, I want you to remember this. Because I've been talking about joy throughout this whole letter. And how is it you can have joy? You can have joy based on your character in how you live, how you think, how you behave. And if you pay attention and think about what is true and noble and right and praiseworthy and excellent, if you control the content 
of what you're putting into your life. The God of peace will be with you. The God of peace will be with you. Jesus said himself, whatever is in a man or woman comes out of a man or woman. And so again, what we put into us comes out of us. I was visiting with an individual the other day and they were talking about their level of anxiety and the challenge of anxiety in their life. And I'm like, what makes you so anxious? And they said, social media. Social media makes me so anxious. And that being on Facebook and Instagram and all that. And I'm like, so why are you on it? I mean, if it causes so much anxiety because you're seeing how other people supposedly are living the perfect life in Hawaii or whatever, and everything's perfect and bliss in their life. I mean, if it's causing you such anxiety because you're looking at how they're living and how you aren't living like that, why is it you even are on it? And they had to wrestle with the question. I mean, just stop it. I mean, basically just cut it off, right? Paul's saying, hey, cut it out. Whatever content you're bringing into your life that isn't right and pure and excellent, noble, praiseworthy, that isn't providing peace in life, cut it out. Get rid of it. And in that, you get rid of the, the guilt and the shame. I like the clear writing of James 1.22 when it comes to Paul saying, hey, put it into practice. You know, put into practice how he thinks, how he lives, right? And the God of peace will be with you. James 1.22 says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. And so today, as you are listening to the word of God, the goal as you walk from here is to do what it says. Don't just agree that, oh yeah, that was good. Yeah, that was good. That would be helpful. And then go off and do nothing. Let us go off and get off social media. Get off sitcoms that are negative. Don't watch movies that aren't right and pure and noble and praiseworthy and excellent. You know, I find it just baffling that we are abhorred by women getting raped. Abhorred by it. But yet we will go on four hours later after hearing about such news and we will watch a TV series, CSI, and on the series... A woman's being raped, and then they're trying to figure out who did it. And we are entertained by that which we abhor. And that's pretty much all they're creating today on the 15,000 different opportunities we have now on TV. And Paul's saying, listen, that's the world. If you want the God of peace to be with you, Get rid of that stuff. Set boundaries in your life. 
that are only true and right and noble, praiseworthy, excellent, admirable, lovely. That show is not lovely. And what does he say? The result of it is the God of peace will be with you. You'll have peace. You'll have joy in your life. Why? Because there's no guilt. There's no shame. And I think one way for us to stay in that and to hold each other accountable to that is by gathering together every Sunday, gathering together in small groups, and that, and remembering to hold each other accountable to the content that we are putting in our lives. We need help from others. So as you come on a Sunday, you are being strengthened, encouraged, reminded of as we walk in what's right, we have peace, we have joy. We put our head on the pillow at night in peace. Why? Because we are not wrestling with all kinds of rocks of guilt that have built up or shame in our life. You know, I find it interesting that uh, during the football season, during a one-hour game, which stretches to three hours, but during a one-hour game that they huddle 125 times. The, the 11 players come back in the huddle every roughly 40 seconds to talk about, okay, how are we doing here? Uh, this is what we need to do for this next play. Yeah, I know you blew it. You got the penalty in that, but hey, stay encouraged. Stay on it. We're behind you. We love you. All that kind of stuff. And then they go out again. 125 times they come in, go out, come in, go out. Why? Because they need to stay unified. They need to stay on the same page. They need to hold each other accountable to, hey, this is how we're going to do it. This is how we're going to live out there when you get up to the line. And that is what we need. Every time we come together on a Sunday that we huddle together and then we go out and then we come huddle together, we go out. Small groups, we come huddle together and then we go out. Why? Because Bill Berg left on his own has a hard time remaining in what is true and noble and right and pure and all those pieces. And I need accountability, encouragement. And so Paul is saying, listen, to maintain joy, peace in your life, Look at your character. Look at your content. What are you putting into your life and what is coming out? And in that, it will take care of your guilt and your shame. But how is it we get there? How is it we stay there in what's true and noble and right and praiseworthy? Well, Paul goes on and in verse 13, he talks about the capacity of Christ in our life. And verse 13 says, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Who's him? It's Jesus. I can do all this through Jesus who gives me the strength to do it. To pay attention to what is true and noble, right and pure. To live that way. To have the consciousness and the strength to put boundaries around my life of like, I am not going to watch that. I am not going to listen to that. I am going to turn off talk radio as I drive around, and I am going to put on either the word of God or Christian music, or I am going to drive in silence and just have a conversation with Jesus. 
Jesus, help me to transform how I think, how I act, so that I do not have to carry all kinds of rocks of guilt and shame around in my life. Help me with this. Paul, prior to verse 13, talks about how he has learned to be content regardless of his situation. He says, I know what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty. Verse 12, I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. So even in his most difficult times, even in prisoned in chains, Paul says, I can be content. Why? Because Jesus strengthens me. Even in prison, I can pay attention to what is true, what is pure, what is praiseworthy, what is lovely. Because of Christ's strength in me. And I love that verse because I believe it goes back to Philippians 1, 6, when Paul said, hey, in your life, remember this. In your life, remember this. In your life, remember this. The God who began a good work in you will bring it to completion in the day of Christ Jesus. That regardless of where you're at in life, God is at work in it. And so as we humble ourselves before him, rely on his strength, he is at work in our situation. And even in rearranging our content that we put into our lives, he can give us the strength and he can work to help us to turn off that content, which is not true, praiseworthy, lovely, admirable. So that in our thinking, it doesn't turn to wrong actions, wrong words, and it doesn't turn then into all kinds of rocks of guilt and shame that destroys our joy. Joy is a strong emotion, but guilt and shame are strong emotions as well. And Paul is saying, hey, finally, brothers and sisters, this is how you can be joyful, maintain peace. And I love the picture we get in Philippians 4.19, where it is out of God's riches that we live then, out of the cash of Christ. Philippians 4.19, and my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Again, Paul's writing this from prison, and he's realizing that even in prison, even in my darkest day, God is providing my daily bread. God is providing what I need. And God had provided encouragement and physical need through the church of Philippi to Paul. And he recognizes this. And he says, out of Christ really, out of his cash flow, out of his riches, he provides my daily bread needs. He provides my strength for living what is right and pure and noble and praiseworthy and trustworthy and excellent. 
And as I do that, and as I live that way, the God of peace will be with me. Joy will fill my life. But I think part of our challenge of getting to that joy in our life is that we have over and over again filled our pockets with guilt because of that which we know we've done wrong and shame because others know it as well. And so as we close off this series this morning here, I'd like us to take care of any guilt that we have in the left pocket or any shame we have in the right pocket, all of it. And I want us to give it over to Jesus. And I want us just to confess it, to repent it. Because I love the picture we get in 1 John 1.9. It says this, God is faithful and reliable. If we confess our sins, he forgives them and he cleanses us from everything, 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 okay, everything we've done wrong cleanses us. It's like he puts us through the washing machine. But you know what? Sometimes we do some more things wrong, and then the next week, like our clothes, puts us through the washing machine. And so as we close our series, I want you, during this last song, to take the little white piece of paper on your seat. And I want you to think of what is it that has maintained in my life that I feel guilty about? What is it that I'm carrying in my right pocket that I'm shameful about? That's weighing on me. And I don't want you to write it down. I just want you to write it like on your, with your mind on the piece of paper. And then during this last song, the worship team's going to come out and, and I want you to bring it up and I want you to put it in the bowl. In the bowl is grape juice. It's a symbol of Christ's blood. And Jesus said, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. But in putting it in there and placing it in there, we are saying, Jesus, forgive me for my sin. Take my guilt. Take my shame and bring peace, joy in my life. And help me then walk and think of what is right and pure and noble and excellent and praiseworthy. And so take a moment as they kick into this song. In your mind, write it on that piece of paper. And then when you're ready, come on up and just place it in the bowl and be cleansed and forgiven. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you that your word is clear in how we are to think and how we are to live. And in that, it provides us peace, joy, because we have no guilt or shame. And Jesus, I ask that you would give us the strength that you have promised to live in this way. I pray this over each one here today, those listening online, that we would be victorious in this way because of your great riches available to us. In Jesus' name, amen.